Welcome, welcome to the newest first of 20 and 23. Woo! Brain fart. What's left in Albany? Welcome to the show. This program covers the built environment, politics, and people of Albany, New York, as well as the surrounding Tri-City area known as the capital and beyond the capital region. Every episode will feature a discussion of local issues with a project, you know, a community projects and leaders to discuss themselves when I have guests, uh, as well as current news in an effort to get a full picture, fuller picture of what's going on in Albany. So come on down and join myself. That's my, your host, Dan Platt, your friendly neighborhood communist, as I softly wage my one man clandestine insurgency against confusion and maybe city hall. Whatever the grievances or joys we share about our city, we are going to find whatever's left. So, I'm no guest this week, um, but I just had to do a show. Tons of little news developments that I actually wanted to talk about and share with others. See how they tie together, or of course, all things are connected in some way. But also some of the stuff I haven't read fully myself, so it's, you know, I'm going cold I'm not really in a state right now to fully prepare for each episode. Um, so, where to begin? Uh, I want to go through my development stories. What should I start with? Let's start with this one from the TU. I should re- I should also start with kind of maybe an opening monologue. I see. I haven't really worked out what format. You know, it's I I know like a good. You shouldn't go right into things. So maybe I'll just do some vamping. My holidays aren't really anything to talk about. Um, nothing too interesting. Uh, mostly, you know, I'm a gamer. and But I'm also, you know, trying to... I wasn't very motivated over December. Trying to find that second... Not a second win, but a winner wind. Um, and set the goals for the year. After kind of difficult year uh, for my life this year. But usually I don't like talking about something unless I've done the reading and I'm prepared and I can back up with whatever I'm talking about with arguments. But let's, uh, I mean, that's, I'm just putting that out there as a premise, a pre- preface. Not to take everything I say totally seriously, um, or at least know that I, there must be further research done. Let's just get into it. Affordable housing proposed for Upper Washington Avenue area. This is the particular, the, was it, uh, what car company was it? 
but it was a, a building somehow it was called the armory one of the many car dealerships along central ave an early proposal calls for a five-story 187 unit building for colvin avenue that's a lot of units and certainly kind of nice to have more housing along that strip it's interesting and i think it's probably part of the rezone that the commercial strip that's half highway it's a strode it's albany strode we don't have many strodes i'm glad we don't uh but we definitely do have a strode on uh, upper central and uh you know but but even though the built environment of the rest of central avenue isn't strode like strode is half road half street a road is meant for uh, cars to go from one place to another as quickly as possible a street has stuff on it and is meant to be a place where life happens a strode is basically the worst of both um or, or it ruins both <laughs> it's neither street nor road so you have lots of traffic uh and there's a you know and but it's made worse by the fact that there's you know all those businesses along it half of which are car dealerships and it always depresses me how thinking about how long lasting these businesses are that there's no there doesn't seem to be an end in sight and if anything maybe these car dealerships are just selling more and more trucks more, larger and larger vehicles that are choking local streets that were not designed to handle vehicles that are 12 or 11 feet wide lanes should you know the average lane is maximum or should be you know the, the average lane is 11 feet and it's frustrating to see how well i guess i'll cover this later in the hour if i get to it the bus lane study where it's like okay do the, should all the lanes like that even the driving lane should they be 12 feet wide you know bus lanes need to be 12 feet wide because wide because buses are larger but what about regular driving lanes if every lane that has vehicles is 12 feet wide that doesn't really leave a lot of space for bikes uh, or bike safety, like a protected lane, or even you know, or especially if you include a parking lane. But it uh, it leaves less room for all of that good mass infrastructure that we need for mass transportation over private transportation. Anyway, so this is a redevelopment of that armory building. My brother had his what was it uh, junior prom in that place. Never been in there whatsoever. Because, you know, I'm not a car guy. So a development group is preparing a proposal for a five-story, 187-unit affordable housing development in the Upper Washington Avenue neighborhood. It's also rare to call it affordable housing development instead of a market rate one. Who's, uh, Steve Hughes is writing this. And this is from December 4th of last year. But a month ago, nonetheless. So the proposal from the Vic, uh, Vicino Group is part of a larger redevelopment of the Armory Garage property at 64 Colvin. Burke Companies in Malta is seeking to build a self-storage building on the seven-acre site in the existing building previously owned as a car showroom. Last month, the city's Zoning Board of Appeals approved an application for the non-conforming use for the self-storage facility. So that angers me. So, like, wait, wait, I'm a little... So this proposal is part of a larger one. So I guess this, the the housing is not somewhere else on the site. We're going to take the armory building 
make it self-storage, which angers me because, like, well, that's not very complimentary to housing. Obviously, there's lots of shopping along there, but that's kind of the point that, like, shouldn't even be even more housing then. You know, if this strip is meant to be, um, and it should be, more mixed use over time, filled out, a little denser, maybe even up to the street, perhaps, that would be nice, um, less strip-like, more like the rest of Central Ave, since it's we're still in Albany, a city, the urban fabric, so break, you know, kind of building that up and densifying, because it is along the main bus route with the bus plus stop and all that stuff and all that shopping is there. Self-storage? I feel like this is something that needs to be out of town. Now, there's self-storage, like, behind uh, Westgate, and there's already that kind of stuff there. And it's like there's – self-storage is very much, like, very uh, popular business. Um, I guess as more people are living in smaller places uh, because housing's so uh, unaffordable, they're uh, – you know, any – you know, instead of renting a place where you need a three-bedroom or, or an extra bonus room, you get self-storage and you use that. But it's basically like a, a Band-Aid solution commercially but it's it's basically profiteering off of the ability that people don't have enough housing space uh that's the way i see it so vizino group president uh rick mazardo cautioned that the parameters of the proposed development were still not set and that the earliest any construction might begin would be 2024 no application has been put to the city planning board yet so this is just the very preliminary announcement we're really, really early in the process, he said Friday. We just want to bring everyone in early. That's why this is kind of a warning. It's like, I'm not spraying this on anybody. I don't want any nimbyism happening because, like, oh, they're spraying this on us. You know, people usually find out about things when people propose it to the zoning board. That's like the first time it goes public because they have to go public then. He's taking the nice guy route, going public before they do the applications. Part of the proposal would include 57 apartments for veterans. The group has been in touch with the Albany Housing Coalition to support this goal because they know the, let's say, the uh, federal housing credits or whatever tax break they might be getting for doing that. Marzardo said that the Vicino Group, which has offices in Troy, has been trying to get into the city for some time. The Colvin Ave location was good access, has good access to jobs, public transport, other amenities, he said project will rely on financing from New York Housing Finance Agency. So in that way, it's sort of, you know, public-private partnership, which, of course, helps the fact that this is still profit, for-profit housing, but it's being done with public monies um, so that they are, you know, a little less than market rate. In letters and meetings with the Ficino Group, the Upper Washington Neighborhood Association has expressed concerns about whether the proposed housing project is too large for the neighborhood and ask questions about parking, services for veterans that might live in the complex and other concerns. Particularly because that neighborhood isn't really senior-friendly, but again, it's sort of circular reasoning that because no one lives there, because it's not fashioned or the infrastructure doesn't support walkability and, uh, and being a neighbor, an actual functioning neighborhood, it mean, like no one can live there or should live there. But that transition takes time, um, or we can get there if enough 
uh, stuff like this is built. So I, I'm mostly in favor. I got, I probably won't be in favor of whatever design it is. It's probably going to be really bland. Uh, I'll hold, hold, withhold judgment till then. What else can I say so far? There's always this concern of like whenever there's more housing anywhere, it's like, what about the parking? Well, this is a you know a, a car strip. There's lots of parking. I mean, there's never any lack of parking. Have you ever? I don't. I've never seen any parking lot around there completely full. And if it's seniors, it's like, well, there'll be a drop-off and pick-up area for for driving, for drivers, for Starbus. They're not all going to have their own cars. I'm pretty confident in that. But even so, it's the point is that they'll be walking to the bus stops because they are right there. Uh, yes, it is a dangerous crosswalk, and there is a lot of that's especially around Hannaford. There's it's pretty dangerous as far as the number of people turning in and out, the speeds, the density of the driving. Um, yeah, it's not, not fun to cross. But uh, I think the road diet is going to go all the way up there, so into through the Strode area. So in a few years, I think it's going to be transformed. It will be much easier to cross, like that area around Colony Center where, you know, it's basically you're just crossing two lanes. Uh, although the driving can be pretty still really fast, at least it does, like, the lights will actually favor pedestrian crossing a little bit more. Because otherwise it's just bug buttons. Even around the Bus Plus stop. Word from Zach Simpson, the Upper Hudson Neighborhood Association Press, uh, which I will have as, as a guest eventually. Because, um, you know, more people means more services. Simpson said the association supported the idea of providing housings for veterans, but wanted to make sure there was enough of those services to meet their needs. I appreciate that homeless veterans need housing. We're just concerned about whether they're going to have the services they need and not just warehoused in a big building. Good sentiment. Because that is something that, like, you know, if you're just doing it for the tax credit, you know, will they have services on site? It's not like there's uh, the health clinics or elsewhere, you know. In a letter to the Neighborhood Association last month, a Vecino group representative said that they had partnered with the Albany Housing Coalition to apply for a $1.4 million grant through the Empire State Supportive Housing Initiative. This is you know, what I was referring to. To fund those services as well as rent for the units. On Friday, Mazzardo said, said the developer proposed, purposely reached out to the Neighborhood Association early on because it wanted to be a good neighbor. That's what he says. I'll take him at his word. So, yeah, no, no ranting about this so far. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, I I think it's a good sign as far as putting the if if the Strode area has been rezoned so that it can be this mixed use here. It's the stealth storage that is actually the the exception that needs to be wavered in. It's kind of, it's interesting to say, like, why not make that armory building something where there are services? Maybe it won't be profitable yet, but once there's more housing developments, uh, they don't have to be five stories, uh, five floors. Then those services or whatever you put in there will be, you know, much better. I mean, but what would you put in there? Um, that's probably something he was like, 
weighing and the only business that made sense was self-storage because it's so low maintenance. It's the opposite of maintenance. There's some cost, but it's literally like it, you don't have to heat it. <laughs> like what would be the least input, you know, to, to but keep an operational building so we're not tearing it down? Because that would probably cost more than making it self-storage. So next story of development in Albany is related to Albany Academy. Uh, Albany Academy's plans new capital project and reorganizes their campus. So this is maybe bigger news than, uh, I mean, certainly new as far as like Albany Academy is concerned. Don't usually see new development there. So this is up a New Scotland area plateau, college, <laughs> college neighborhood from the Albany Business Review. So the region's largest private school, by enrollment, is planning a two-phase capital campaign that will change where it places students on its Albany campus and begin preparing to raise money for a newly renovated science center on campus. So it isn't a new building, it's renovation. Albany Academies plans to move its early childhood center, elementary and middle schools, to what is currently the Albany Academy for Girls. That building is across Academy Road from the main building of the school, which will house high school classes. Um, the school has single-sex education for boys and girls in its elementary and middle school classes. That will not change, even though all students in those grades will be in the same building. I'm not just integrating them already. I think the single-sex education part of our mission is really important, particularly in middle school. It's something we'll always hold on to said head of school Christopher Lorisella in a recent interview. Elementary classes are expected to move to the... Um, um, I, I don't know how if, I, if I can say radio safe, if I could comment on that. But uh, I, I, it is my position, uh, if, if it means anything, that sex segregation is bad. Segregation is, is not usually... It, it's, it's a band-aid solution to a larger social problem so let's say the social problem here is teen pregnancy it's like oh by separating them in middle school we prevent teen pregnancy but you could also prevent teen pregnancy by providing um, birth control and sex comprehensive sex education having a no sex abstinence only um, birth controls of the devil approach, not really effective. Um, and the separation building walls is a stopgap measure that isn't also effective either. Walls don't actually work, uh, especially when it comes to preventing violence or, 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 or crime or, you know, social ills. The whole matter of, well, we need to keep bathroom sex segregated because if we didn't, there'd be more sexual assault, let's say. There'd be more men sexually assaulting women because uh, we need these women-owned spaces. I would like to see data for that, or, or rather there's evidence. But it's really just uh, there is there is kind of no material argument. It's just a, you know, it's like we have to keep it separate because, you know, men are such pigs and all that. But why not train men ourselves, you know, to be less, you know, less patriarchal, you know, it's, it's a longer, it's a bigger job, but think of all the savings of having two different bathrooms. In this case, two different schools. It's private, and it's like you know that's the thing. So they're free to do whatever they want. You know, they can segregate by class, they can segregate by sex, they can segregate by race. 
which is essentially what it really is all about. Elementary classes are expected to move to the... I read that. Wait, no, they're expected to move next school year. Full transition is planned to be completed start of 2004 to 2005 school year. Sorry, 24 to 25 school year. The second step of the project would be the addition of a new science tech engineer, you know, STEAM, which stands for science, tech, engineering, arts, and math. It used to be STEM, but you throw in an A for arts, which is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Um, I think you could just call it arts and engineering, maybe, or just drop the acronyms and say, we're going to have an academic center, which includes any academic subject. Um, or all of them together. But anyway, an innovation center in the upper school and enhancements to athletic spaces on campus, including the pool, the ice rink, and locker rooms. When I was a kid, I was um, always fascinated by, like, you know, they, they had the indoor ice rink, and which I guess, I don't know where else we have those in Albany, besides, you know, and you can throw that on in um, arena. But they would throw their uh, shaved ice or... or um, you know, waste ice, um, all the leavings and stuff, whatever you would call that, from the Zamboni, out on the hillside. So no matter what time of year it was, there'd be this pile of snow there. <laughs> uh, fascinating as a kid. Albany Academies is the largest private school in the region by enrollment. About a little under 700 students enrolled as of October. The school has 93 full-time faculty per its most recent submission for the private schools list. Uh, Loricella noted recently that the time was right for the school to begin looking at upgrading its campus. We've done renovations and added pieces to them, but it's probably time to go deeper and get ready for the next century. I hate to tell her, but the century, we're already 20 years into it. You know, now it is time to do it before the space makes decisions for you. Hmm. Well, isn't that... When you segregate by sex, you're letting the space decide all kinds of things for you. Uh, when your first kiss is going to be, um, what kind of relationships, what kind of attitudes you're going to have towards dating and society later on. But that's just my woke, scold mind at work. Yeah, so last in the development cycle here, that's always I'll always try to have like three developer stories and then um at least when i do it like this um urbanism basically this is the this is the new urbanist uh show every episode where it's just me it's just gonna be like whatever because the only the only things i find interesting from local reporting because the only thing that matters is real estate uh, in this case that was the school but it's still development and there's still contractors making lots of money the cooler building, very controversial. Outsiders hate it. They want to tear it down. Or maybe not just outsiders, people who don't live in Albany. Not like there's any been solid polling. It's always been, you know, whatever people want to comment about it. My position is that it should be um, our region's contemporary art museum because that's kind of what you do with old industrial buildings with large, with tall ceilings, you make contemporary art museums. That's what Toronto has. It's what North Adams has. It's what Boston, every major city has a contemporary art museum in an old but renovated industrial building. And it's like, why can't we do that? 
Why can't we? Because we can't have the public money. Oh, because we—that's right. We we could get eighty million dollars from the state for a convention center, but not for an art museum. I get it now. Although you, we could have done both actually. Why was? Yeah. It's, obviously, the facilities would have been. I mean, very very complicated building, a very complicated site. But anyway, in the saga of it, actually, there actually being a development plan for it. Uh, which is, you know, 30 years going on, maybe, maybe just 20. Plan Central Warehouse to Redevelopment gets a $10 million grant. Uh, but this isn't really the big story. The big story is that it has a redevelopment plan by the largest developers in town, uh, Columbia and um, Redburn. So um, I'm always getting the story confused because I was, I guess I was rooting for the guy who bought it from New York City. He didn't have kind of a master plan. He didn't have like the, you know, half billion dollars of capital to uh, make his plans come to fruition. But uh, because he bought it for that uh, token dollar amount, you know, so like we just want to get rid of this building. We'll sell it for a dollar, which meant anyone. Well, I mean, I guess they did do some vetting, but they must have because he had a purpose for the building and it wouldn't have cost a billion dollars. But he didn't carry through with any of it. And, uh, but for the past two years, it's because this county wanted to take it back. Because Redburn, Columbia, suddenly, or rather maybe since the Skywalk was announced, oh, now there's, there's going to be demand. And, and, and also the other developments in the warehouse district. So it's like, oh, well, actually, there is a market here for this. So uh, maybe we will develop, uh, redevelop the warehouse building. I mean, I'm projecting here, but this is like in my... I'm I'm I think I could be accurate in like this is how it kind of went down where it's like oh now now we could do something here oh but uh, it was sold to this punk from New York City well let's just get it back from him sue his butt get that building back our hands or you know better hands you know because we're the trusted partners of Albany County that's what it comes down to and the state so a a ten million dollar grant has been awarded Tuesday that will be put toward the first phase basically the phase where you get the asbestos out, of redeveloping the former central uh, warehouse in Albany. A commitment official said would eventually result in converting the abandoned 11-story building into, say it with me, apartments and commercial space, which makes me groan because it's like this is a special building, very special features. It's big, it's heavy, tall ceilings. And you're just going to make more apartments, more market rate apartments, commercial space on the bottom. What is this? You know, a Kmart? <laughs> Governor Hochul announced the funding for the city of Albany from the Restore New York program, which provides financial assistance to any municipality who wants to remove a blighted property or improve downtowns and spur private develop- investment. Because, you know, you got to give a little to get a little. And it's also a matter of like, well, the state doesn't want to spend the whole amount of money to invest uh, and make our cities better. But, you know, they'll, they'll put in the sweet in the deal if a private entity will do it. But really, it's just subsidy. Timing of the award comes as the property owner continues to fight in federal court over Albany County's intention to transfer, transfer ownership of the building for 50 grand to a partnership of Redburn Development Partners of Schenectady and Columbia Development Co's of Albany. 
Albany County is owed more than a half million in property taxes. This was accrued before the guy, Bloom, bought it for a dollar. Most of which accumulated in the years before Sunmark Credit Union sold the dilapidated empty building for a dollar in August of 2017. So he's had it for five years, three of which were obviously the pandemic, so you weren't going to really get to get any work done. Well, I guess you could, but there have been a lot of issues, you know? It's like, well, he was just sitting on it. He was waiting for a better deal. Like, well, what better deal? To resell it to them? Well, why don't they just give him 50 grand then? Well, I guess that's the point. He is getting 50 grand, but obviously he wants to hold. Well, this is the this is the um, tone on Facebook because I know. I, I like, you know, trust, um, confidant. His interpretation is he's sitting on it holding it hostage uh, until a better deal. You know, maybe, he, you know, instead of 50 grand, they'll give him 100 grand. Or maybe what the building's really worth, uh, considering, but it's also a lot of dead weight, too. So, um, yeah, the, name, the, the guy's name is Evan Bloom of the Phoenix of Albany LLC. He created this company to do something with the warehouse. Bloom, who owns an architectural salvage business in Harlem, never followed through on his ambitious ideas for the building. But at least he has ambitious ideas. I respect good ideas more than, well, we can pay for it, but it's going to be bland. And just apartments and very unambitious ideas. Uh, But he wound up battling with the city and county over code violations and unpaid taxes. The code violations are just, you know, the fact that the building's a mess. So Albany County has yet to transfer ownership, according to a spokeswoman for the county executive's office. Uh, yet, but Jeff Buell, and this is where I was getting confused with the names. I was confusing Bloom with Buell. A principal at Redburn Development said they are working with the county to take the title immediately and hope to have resolution in a matter of days. December 20th. Very recent, at least as far as this show is concerned. And this is what he had. Uh, Jeff had to say. It's the largest Christmas present I've ever gotten. Buell joked about the state grant. My parents are going to have to step up their game this year. Ah, 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 ah. Oh, what a douche. He said they're prepared to start work immediately to secure the building to keep out graffiti artists and others. Lame. The building needs millions of dollars just to get to a stable place, Buell said. We wish we had been able to get started sooner. Oh, yeah, but uh, that Bloom guy got in the way. What a jackass. That work will start to be done in a matter of weeks. It's a staggering building, and what's happened to it is also staggering, he added. It's equal parts blight on the outside, but beauty on the inside. Uh, Some pictures were actually shared, and um, the major theme or meme was that, uh, you know, let's, let's start a... Tony Hawk pro skater level would go wonderful in there. Uh, Built in the 1920s, the 450,000 square foot concrete building was used to store dry goods and cold food for regional markets. In time, it became a relic as shipping, distribution, and warehousing methods changed. Today, the building needs significant structural repairs, a new roof, elevators, facade improvements, new heating, plumbing, and electric as well as the removal of asbestos. The initial redevelopment phase is is expected to take two years, 
create more than 100 market-rate apartments on the second, third, and fourth floors with 25,000 square feet of commercial space on the ground. So let's see. So second to fourth floors. So that leads seven more floors. It's an 11th floor building. So maybe that's where the interesting stuff will be. Or it'll just be a bunch of, let's see, potential commercial uses include retail, office, food, and light industry. More than 300 construction jobs will be created. These are all temporary, of course. Permanent full-time jobs. Would they say, you know, construction and permanent for the residential commercial uses? That is, I always hate those stats. You, you got to, I mean, sometimes they'll say how many are temporary and how many are permanent when they do it's usually depressing because it's like it'll be 300 temporary 10 permanent <laughs> like this this is solving our uh, employment issues total cost of the first phase is 60 million that's just the first phase so i think that's what he's referring to he's doing the first four five you know the first half of the building the upper floors will be prepared for future fit up in later phases the state funding was praised by the mayor and Albany County exec, Tim McCoy, and capitalized Albany Corp president, Sarah Reginelli. In total, Hochul announced more than $102 million for 64 projects through the Restore New York program. Eight of them are in the Albany region. Full list below. So the, the central warehouse is one of the larger ones. Two million for a renovation project in Schenectady, uh, long vacant and derelict building for mixed use. Barnett Mills redevelopment in Rensselaer, one point eight million, which involves the demolition of one and the renovation of another long vacant textile mill, which made up of nine buildings. And this project is seventy-two new apartments, commercial retail that's right on the waterfront. See how that goes. And more and more and more. Sometimes it's just a little bit of renovation in a, you know, small town Main Street. And that only those only cost well, let's see, one is uh, eight hundred thousand for a historic inn. It's amazing how much this stuff costs. Um, but it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Uh, when a shed costs a hundred grand, that's what a house should cost. So, um, oh no, this was this being loaded? Yeah, it was. Just have to scroll down. So I guess this is the Sison PR Newswire, but the story is related to the bus station. You know, we have one of those, uh, the bus station in Albany. I use it to get to New York City, and that's mainly what it's for. <laughs> but this is about how, um, well, it's... The subtext is there's capitalist competition, and that actually leads to inefficiencies rather than inefficiencies. You know, you get to get the best bus service because you have different companies competing with each other. But public infrastructure, you know, or, or it's based on public infrastructure, but what if the infrastructure like the bus station isn't actually public? And that probably goes a long way to explaining why it's such a piece of junk of a station, a wreck of a station. Trailways of New York evicted by Greyhound from facility in Albany, New York. I mean, it is called the Greyhound Terminal. It's not the Albany bus station or depot or 
it could have a funky name like the Fort Orange Station, actually. But no, it's actually, it is the Greyhound Station because I guess it's owned, it is owned by Greyhound. So anyway, this is recorded um, Newswire from White Plains. Trailways of New York, the largest and oldest inner city travel provider in New York State, as well as some Canadian cities and their Ontario uh, belt, uh, as well as the Peter Pan bus lines, announced today that they are leaving the Albany, New York bus terminal that they have called home for over 25 years. The move is slated to take place today, Thursday, December 1st, with the uh, first departures leaving their new temporary home later today. I don't think the story says what those are. In conversation Thursday, Trailways of New York CEO Eugene Bernard Jr. said the move, quote, was caused by Greyhound, who evicted us from the facility after dissolving its long-standing partnership with us just this past summer. While Greyhound no longer owns the station, okay, I stand corrected, they remain the leaseholder. And now that, so who does own it? But they have the lease, so I guess they're calling the shots. And now that they view us as competition, I wonder what changed, though. They weren't competition before. They were, I guess it was a partnership. They broke off. No, no, no. The partnership was that they were sharing the station. Or Greyhound was allowing their competition to use the station they're leasing. Why would they do that? Well, I, 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 get, I don't Okay. But now they do see themselves as competition. So they're evicting them. Get out of here. <laughs> they have evicted trailways as a subtenant. I have no doubt this will negatively impact the traveling public. This is, you know, the CEO of Trailways here. Uh, Greyhound, who has previously enjoyed a decades-long partnership with the New York-based Trailways, severed that arrangement in a surprise move this past spring. So I may have to dig deeper into that. The news of Trailways' move comes following the recent release of a study reimagining the, the decaying downtown Albany, comma, New York Station, just referring to the bus depot, as, a, as an $81 million state-of-the-art transit facility. So it's just a study saying, like, this is how it could be rebuilt or renovated. Everyone at Trailways is excited that the plans currently underway to rebuild the downtown bus terminal might happen soon, Bernardi said. The new plans call for a mixed-use development, including a first-class transit facility that would make the travel experience much more enjoyable, less like a rat hole. Uh, we are firmly in support of the project beginning. So let me just check in. Bernardi is the Trailways guy, right? Yes. So he's excited about a station that he's just been evicted from. Or the assumption is that it, once it's renovated, it'll be actually like public owned and it won't be. But it is public owned, so why? How can? I guess I got to read up on this breakup or this end of a partnership thing. Trailways of New York's new temporary facility is now accepting passengers at 66 Green Street. That's literally a block away. Footsteps from, you know, the bus terminal. So I guess they're renting a office over there, and they're just parking the buses. And I don't know. And yeah, so this is like they're a news wire that they're renting, I guess. So this is like a trailway. This is, oh, this is news provided by Trailways. So this is from Trailways' perspective. So I guess I need to look up maybe something about the uh, the reimagining and uh, and whatever. So, but this was shared how this was shared on one of the Facebook pages, I guess. 
So I guess I'm going to have to do my due diligence on this because I am really curious about the bus travel since I do some of it. Um, Amtrak is too expensive. Um, I mean, I can still do it, but um, it's not my first choice anymore, at least when it comes to going to New York City. Uh, as much as I like to take the train in, but uh, the bus is fine too. Okay, next is, since I'm talking about buses, uh, let's get a read from the blog Ramblin' with Roger. Roger is a former librarian, and he spends his retirement blogging. So this is about CTA's Purple Bus Plus versus NIMBY. And this is just a kind of side story. It's not an actual report of any kind. So the Purple uh, Bus Plus route, this will be the third one. It's going from downtown Albany starting at the bus terminal and ending at Crossgates. Um, but it's going to basically, rather than the normal Western or Washington Avenue routes, it's going to go down Western until it hits Harriman Campus, and then it's going to pull into Harriman Campus, and then it's going to, a special route is going to be built um, so it can basically cut through UAlbany and the UAlbany Campus with all that maze of driveways and parking lots. So there's a lot of uh, student parking that's kind of going to get eaten up, and there's some complaints there. But overall, uh, it will make uh, taking the bus back and forth a lot easier. And it's going to stop at the Fuller Fuller Road, uh, but also the SUNY Poly Center, which at the moment, if you were to take the bus there, you'd have to get on, uh, you need to transfer the Fuller Road um, bus, I think. And then, it's, uh, then it swings using the Washington Avenue extension, gets across Gates Commons like the 12 bus usually does, um, and then swing back around the cross gates. So that's what it's going to do. Um, these routes, the, t- uh, the 12 and the 10, during peak hours at least, are actually overloaded. Um, I was on a 12 bus, and it was absolutely packed with students like one time. It was the middle of the day. Um, but there's definitely a lot of, like, because especially when they live in the city, uh, renting apartments and such off campus, they, you know, they're, they're going back and forth to classes and stuff like that. Tons, tons of bus use. Good to see. Especially, um, it definitely probably upticked when they had the, the bus, the, the bus card plan where students can get free bus cards or, or they just, um, yeah, I think they're just issued. Um, or, or the school bought them in mass, which is the kind of thing I'd really like to promote on a citywide level to have a, uh, a program where you can get a really cheap bus card, unlimited bus card for CTA, group buy-in on the city level, you know, or, or the city just buys, you know, because um, it would be cheaper, get a good deal, buy like a thousand bus cards, and we basically just give them out to the, the thousand poorest people in Albany or something. I mean, it would be the first step towards like free public transit, you know. Um, but may, imagine if you live in Albany, you get free public transit. You will get a, like a complimentary bus card uh, provided by the city of Albany. Imagine. Um, what would that cost? Especially like when, when you calculate how many people would want one. That's why it would, it would be like request it first. You know, request it and like, you know, we get a few thousand. You apply to the program or something. So this is one of those topics I would have put in my Times Union blog. This is when he was a Times Union guy. But alas, it's gone. Still, you folks not in Albany, New York, might find it interesting if something like it comes to your neck of the woods. The CTA, 
Capital District Transportation Authority, is currently building the Bus Rapid Transit Purple Bus Plus line, which will run more frequently and make fewer stops. That's what a tran- that's what an express bus does. It will connect cross gates, and I list all that out. And it's funded with federal money. So this is basically what we're getting from the Build Back Better plan. It, otherwise, the CTA was working at, like, new bus plus line every 10 years. You know, they got to save up for it. Now with the Build Back Better stimulus money, we're going to get it now. Only a few years after the blue line was completed. Recently, I signed a petition supporting the bus stop at the corner of Colonial Avenue and Eileen Street and Western Avenue. So this is halfway between Harriman Campus and Pine Hills. The petitioners believe the proposal will reduce traffic on Western Avenue, which can be quite congested. And I hate biking on it. I biked out to um, Stuyvesant Plaza by bike. I've done it twice. And it's quite um, quite a tough time because uh, there are some sections like this section of Western Ave from Pine Hills to Harriman Campus where there's just no shoulder. There's no shoulder. Um, it's all driving lanes. And worse yet, or some sections it's like, oh, you have like three feet there. There's a three-feet shoulder. But that's also where the drains are for the street. And the drains are depressed into the street about three to six inches, like half a foot. So imagine, because these are literally, they're depressed down in the street like a half foot deep hole for the storm drains. I can't bike over those. So if I'm using the shoulder, I have to swing into the driving lane every 50 feet. That's what a cyclist has to do if they're cycling from Pine Hills, you know, out towards Crossgates area. <laughs> I haven't done it since. And that was a few years ago. But anyway, other uh, high points uh, or positives of uh, putting in a, a, this extra bus stop, I guess, is the point. But uh, it, it would be a matter of, I mean, it's it's a strategically placed. It's where it should be, colonial. Um, but he's saying why it should be there. The plant stop will be lighted and sheltered with improved pedestrian access, crosswalks, better beg button, heated sidewalks to melt snow and ice. CTA is committed to using it for tripper buses to bring kids to school. But there are some naysayers. So this is the Melrose neighborhood. A counterproposal from a few neighbors suggested relocating the stop to Brevator, where Western crosses over Route 85. That intersection has comparably little housing north of Western and has far fewer residents nearby. It's also not strategically, you know, in the middle of the neighborhood like Colonial is. It doesn't maximize the amount of people who could walk to the stop. And, of course, it's not strategically halfway between the the other express stops. So um, that intersection has, yeah, so relocating the stop to this less centralized street will increase walking time to the stop and make it more challenging for residents to take advantage of the route. But this is actually kind of what they want. Quote, um, sorry. Looking at the proposed purple line from the CTA website, the distances between Allen Street and Colonial, which is about a half mile, and the distance between Colonial and the East Harriman campus is also the same distance, are already at the upper end of the distance that CTA prefers between express stops. You know, stop should be every half mile. If a stop is placed at Brevator instead of Eileen and Colonial, which are central to the neighborhoods, the distance between the two stops will be 0.8 miles. 
which is a very long walk for those who live between those streets, let alone those who have to walk a couple of blocks just to get to Western. I miss not being in the TU because I could point out the newspaper's shortcomings in the, its article. It didn't point out the benefit to school children or the university. Instead, it focuses on the fervor of the discussion at a recent city hall meeting rather than the substance. I figure I should bug CTA, my city council member, my state assembly person, and anyone else I can think of. This is from Roger. Another person I will eventually ask to have on my show. On the other side of transit stories is, uh, in the last minutes, is from the TU uh, back in uh, mid-November, November 19th. Traffic safety advocates pushed for changes in Albany. So this was by the um, the Albany Bike Coalition, who gathered Friday to honor those killed by motorists in the city since 2017. So a group of pedestrian bicycle safety advocates gathered Friday afternoon in Academy Park in front of City Hall to honor walkers and cyclists killed by motorists in the city since 2017. The event organized by the Albany Bicycle Coalition, Walkable Albany, and Parks and Trails New York, also served as a chance for the organizations to push for specific policies they would like the city and state adopt, to adopt. The group planned to deliver a letter to the mayor after the remembrance with their request to change for changes in the city. Ed Brennan, president of the Albany Bico, said the area's roads have become more dangerous since the pandemic started. We've had people driving faster. People are paying less attention, he said. Vehicles are getting bigger, and more and more pedestrians are lo- and cyclists are losing their lives. At least three pedestrians were killed by drivers this year in the city. In more recent death, Larry Cunningham was killed October 24th after an alleged drunk driver drove up on the sidewalk and hit him. Brennan said the coalition was pushing for specific policy changes it believes would reduce the number of deaths and injuries in the city. Some solutions, such as reducing the speed limit to 25 miles per hour, are already under consideration. This is something the state now allows cities to do. The coalition would also like to see narrower crossing distances and more spaces around the intersections through the installation of bollards, which aren't that effective. You can drive right over them, drive right through them. Bike racks, always, we need more bike racks. Curb extensions and eco-friendly rain gardens. Also called, can be called virus whales. The city has too many areas in the city where crosswalks and sidewalks have been neglected for a long time. Some areas of the city don't even have sidewalks. The coalition is also asking for police to devote more resources to traffic safety enforcement. As if people didn't get enough tickets, right? Um, but uh, there's, there's more than that to it than that. Brennan added the coalition would like to see the city take quicker action on the recommendations within its pedestrian and bicycle master plan, something that's kind of long been on the shelf. And the city kind of, when it feels like it, or or no, not when it feels like it, when it's convenient to drivers and construction and whatever, but even when streets are renovated, we're we're not adding bike lanes. It's it's only when it's convenient to drivers and traffic flow. It's like you, they consult the traffic engineers, car traffic engineers first, and they say, well, you know, well, you know, it, it just when it's, it almost feels like when they feel like, but it's also just when it's uber convenient. That's when the bike master, master plan could be followed. So I'd like to see those good ideas. Um, Cause this was developed, God, 
15 years ago. I'd like to see those good ideas that they have actually get that you know that are there actually get budgeted and start happening. The city is working on a number of traffic calming measures, including expansion of its speed hump pilot program. So I guess we're getting some of those. I don't. We we don't need pilots. We know that speed humps work, or at least it's significant infrastructure. So uh, for those who don't know, what speed hump is. Uh, you know, a speed bump is just a little, like, uh, three-foot, you know, bump in the road. And uh, it's it can definitely, you know, you can stop a car and you actually have to go down to, like, five miles per hour if you go to drive over it, uh, which really um, sucks for buses and uh, is terrible for the suspension of basically any vehicle. A hump, on the other uh, hand, is the raising of the entire intersection uh, a few inches or a inch. Uh, or two, so it kind of creates a um, an effect where it's a more gradual obstacle where you, you can't just go 40 miles per hour or even 30. You need to slow down to 10 miles per hour if you're going to go through an intersection, which is wonderful for those areas we actually want to be walkable. Because if anyone's going to cross that intersection, you know, no one should be able to go through it fast enough to kill them. That's what it comes down to. Other items the coalition is asking for, like speed cameras, will take state action first. Now, I'm not a fan of that kind of state surveillance kind of stuff. Fees, especially when they are, you know, exploitative. They're, I mean, regressive. It's a regressive tax structure, basically, to have fines and fees for those driving badly. Rather, uh, we should have infrastructure and streets where it is impossible to speed, impossible to break the rules that we want them to. You know, if we don't want to, the left doesn't want to take your freedom. We want to make it such that we don't have to take a thing from you. Well, only taking the ability to uh, kill others, basically, (laughs) um, with your car. Some of the names on their signs um, before I leave the show. Kathleen McBride. Rising Martinez. Shanae Bollock. Larry Cunningham. Those are the names I can see, at least in the picture that they provided. And then others are just pedestrian victim. I assume these are Jane Doe's, and there are a few of those in there as well. In my eyes, especially morally, Anyone killed by a car is as bad as as someone killed by a stray bullet or killed by guns. And uh, there's always a bit of moral outrage about gun violence or gang violence. Car violence seems to get a pass. Okay, it's the end of the hour. Uh, I have been your host, Dan Platt. This has been What's Left in Albany. Uh, Check me out on Facebook at What's Left in Albany. Uh, slash three left show three lefts.news is the website where you can find all the episodes for what's left in Albany as well as my former show three left show where I cover leftist analysis theory and practice so that has been the show this time I'm just going to end it now because it is toodles have a good night and, and I mean this sincerely stay woke